Okay, let's see. We go next to um, mental illness and uh, the topic of homophobia. Um, let's see. Um, so I'm on slide number 21. Um, <clears throat> Uh, so let's see, there um, there have been reports of uh, higher incidences of some um, stress-related disorders, depression, anxiety, uh, in gay people um, than in straight people. Um, uh, it's been believed for a good long time that that's likely due to minority stress. Essentially, that um, uh, that many uh, gay people are uh, are marginalized and maybe living under some threat, even some threat of violence from other people because of uh, their homosexuality. Uh, and so, um, so that sort of minority stress may be uh, contributing to uh, an increased rate of depression, anxiety, those kind of things. Notice that 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 if that's true, that would predict that we would see less of that um, uh, as time went as time goes on and that that minority stress decreases, right? As, um, as acceptance increases, uh, then you should see less of this if that's true. Um, uh, let's see. Um, uh, you're aware of the fact that, um, some people express hostility towards homosexuals. Um, <clears throat> why is that? Uh, it's kind of strange when you think about it, uh, why somebody else would, uh, get so angry or get so, I don't know, threatened or get so something about somebody else's uh, sexuality and sexual behavior. Um, and um, so this is definitely a hot button for some people, right? Um, hostility towards homosexuals. Um, it, it may be uh, rooted in just some discomfort with the unfamiliar that, um, that uh, people often, you know, try to understand things by putting themselves in a in a person's position, you know, uh, could I imagine myself doing that kind of thing? And for for some people, it's really hard to imagine yourself as having a different sexual orientation than you do. It's hard to put yourself in that. And they, and they maybe they don't know very many people uh, who are gay or um, or things like that. This is probably where some of those myths about um, uh, about gay lifestyles come from. You know, uh, that gay couples are going to be uh, have a husband and wife role or something like that, right? Because um, because people are just trying to see themselves in it uh, in some way to uh, to try to understand what it's like. When people are uncomfortable with things that they don't know about, they're liable to want to get away from those things, uh, and that may be some of that. Um, people do raise um, uh, moral objections to um, uh, homosexual behaviors. Um, uh, you know what's... Um, that comes up sometimes, uh, but um, but it's almost always in the context of uh, moral objections against gay men, um, and not about lesbians. Uh, often people don't have those same kind of moral objections to uh, lesbians. Um, why is that? Uh, um, so, you know, um, I don't know if that's um, if that's a real thing or not. I mean, if the moral objection is uh, is real or not. Um, the um, uh, hostility is more likely to be associated with an overall authoritarian personality style. Uh, so folks who are more um, uh, more authoritarian in their style, more likely to have some of those kinds of objections. Um, the term homophobia, here I put it in quotes, I, I'm not wild about the term homophobia. Uh, um, it, um, it tends to uh, mean to people a fear of homosexual individuals or homosexuality. Uh, the the suffix phobia doesn't always necessarily mean fear. It can mean avoidance of, uh, like in um, like in chemistry, right? Something that's uh, uh, I don't know, aquaphobic, hyd hydrophobic. 
uh, that um, that uh, rejects water or so, something like that. Anyway, um, and so it may be you know more useful to think of it in that way, um, because essentially um, the term homophobia seems to imply that there's some individual pathology with the person who uh, who objects to gay people, and that essentially that's um, pathologizing them and saying that um, that there's something wrong with them. Sometimes even the implication is that they're secretly uh, a homosexual themselves, which doesn't seem to me to be a real productive way to um, uh, to do discourse <laughs> in anything. I don't know. Um, I, I kind of wish there was a better word, uh, but um, uh, while I, you know, while I'm not happy about the word, I'm not thrilled about the word, I got to admit that the, that the concept exists. I mean, um, I mean, we certainly see hate crimes, uh, against people because of sexual, because of homosexuality in particular. Um, you know, I, I've got, um, copies of news stories here where mo a mother killed her own son because she thought he might be gay and, um, you know, a, a lot of stuff like that. Uh, and so... Um, we definitely do um, uh, have those issues. Um, <clears throat> let's see, uh, for if we move on to talk about uh, homosexual lifestyles, if you remember, um, you know, we started off this chapter with the idea that um, everybody has a sexual orientation, and so we were talking about sexual orientation in general. Toward the end of this chapter, we do get more specific about um, about gay people in terms of uh, some things that are specific to uh, gay lifestyles um, that may not be as ap applicable to um, uh, to straight people. Uh, so let's see. Um, <clears throat> Uh, identity development for um, uh, for gay people, uh, processes of coming out. If we move to uh, slide number 22, um, there's actually a number of different, there's actually several different models of coming out. Uh, and um, and they usually talk about mo uh, a process of coming out in, um, in some in a sequence of steps, like this is the first step, this is the second step, this is the third step. Um, I kind of prefer to think of this as, as levels of coming out. And the reason why I think that may be a, a useful way to look at it is that people don't always go all the way to the end. People can choose to go to different levels of coming out that they're comfortable with. Um, uh, you know, people may... Um, uh, may be happy with um, being open about sexual orientation with their families and friends, but not at work, not in public, not uh, not in the general public, or something like that. And you know, to me, that's fine. Uh, so that's not an implication of well, they haven't completely come out, or they haven't come out all the way, or something like that. That's just their level of coming out. Anyway, um, the the thing that might strike you as strange about um, these uh, uh, models. Of coming out um, is that uh, the first level is almost always admitting to oneself that one is homosexual or bisexual, which may even sound a little strange, admitting to oneself. Um, but I, I think you got to put this in the context of um, uh, that the person does have to come to some realization that uh, that their sexual orientation is different than other people might have expected their sexual orientation to be, and that this is liable to cause some changes in their relationships or problems in their life in some ways, or challenges in, in some ways. Um, you know, 
uh, statistically, it's harder to find partners when you're gay or bisexual, right? Because there are fewer gay and bisexual people than there are straight people. Um, but just stuff like that uh, is essentially where it comes down to, okay, yes, this is what I am. This is who I am. This is how I am. And, um, and getting comfortable with that on one's own first. That can take a while. That um that's um that's often a fairly long process, and that may be one of the longest parts of coming out. Um, this is why um this is why sometimes uh, uh, in coming out to other people, um, you know, I think it's always a good idea to give people some time to deal with that. You know, um, the the person who's coming out has probably been dealing with that process of coming out themselves for years and years, uh, but when they come out to their parent or some friend or coworker or something like that that's that person's first instance of having it and they don't you know they're they're behind <laughs> on timing <laughs> and uh so they're, they're liable to need a little more time to get used to the idea and that's one of the challenges right um <clears throat> but notice that um, that essentially uh these processes of coming out will, will usually essentially enlarge one circle of of uh your outness uh who you're out to and uh, and available uh, and um, open about uh, uh, sexual identity too. Uh, let's see. Uh, for lifestyles, if we move to slide number twenty-three, this is an interesting statistic. I think that uh, sixty percent of gay men live in one of twenty U.S. cities. Um, uh, it um, it must be something in the water or something. Uh, no, that's a joke. <laughs> that's a joke. Um, what it is is that often um, often gay men will go to uh, go to live in cities where they're liable to find a gay community or or um, or find more acceptance, um, and um, you know so. Um, uh, so, um, so gay men tend to be concentrated in certain uh, certain cities uh, to form to form communities. Um, it can be really hard to be a gay man out in rural North Carolina, and you're the only gay person you've ever met. Right? Um, uh, that's a difficult challenge. Um, this um, this is probably less true uh, for lesbians, um, but um, but there are uh, you know there are communities uh, where um, uh, where um, lesbians are where there's a large lesbian community. Uh, there are I'm sorry cities where there are larger lesbian communities, and people may essentially move to those cities because of that. Um, um, but um, but it's probably more likely to happen for gay men. Um, uh, let's see. Um, typically, uh, typical uh, gays and lesbians who are out are usually well educated, uh, career positions. Um, if you compare relationships in um, uh, gay and lesbian couples and straight couples, you really find no real differences in the amount of um, love, the amount of commitment, the amount of problems, the amount of argument. Um, all of that is pretty much the same. Uh, there's no particular kind of um, distinct pattern uh, for straight people or a distinct pattern for, um, uh, for gays or lesbians. Um, let's see, we move to romance. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, most couples don't create husband and wife roles. Um, <laughs> uh, I think this is, you know, as I was sort of saying before, kind of um, straight people's attempt to try to make sense out of gay couples. But, oh, well, there must be these kind of uh, role separation. But honestly, a lot of straight couples don't necessarily make these kinds of distinctions. And those distinctions do tend to become... Uh, less intense 
in straight couples as they get older, right? Um, uh, so role, um, uh, gender role behavior uh, becomes less fixed uh, as um, relationships go on. Uh, let's see. Most don't tend to take on one sexual role. Um, this is probably more likely to happen for gay men. Uh, gay men will sometimes talk about um, a preference of being a top or a bottom, uh, essentially, and um, and uh, um, and there are gay men who are fairly um, fairly fairly uh, closely adhered to that. That they're always a top or they're always a bottom. Um, but um, but I think for uh, for most gay men, um, they don't necessarily take on that one sexual role, and that's certainly um, uh, also the case for um, for lesbians that they're not like taking on uh, uh, one sexual role. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, women, whether they're straight or lesbian, tend to value commitment, romantic love. Uh, gay men may be less likely to regard monogamy as important, um, and so may be more open to uh, a number of sex partners. Um, uh, lesbians tend to overall have fewer sex partners than straight women. Gay men tend to have more sex partners than straight men, if that makes sense. That's, of course, averages for what it's worth. Um, gay sex. Uh, I don't need to talk about gay sex very much. Uh, let's see. Um, slide number twenty-five. Uh, gay sex is not that much different than straight sex, and we've talked a lot about straight sex, right? Um, uh, lesbians engage in a lot of manual touching, a lot of um, uh, stimulation uh, with the hands. Notice that we don't call that masturbation, right? If it's done to somebody else, that's manual stimulation. Um, a lot of oral sex. Uh, tribidism. Tribidism is a term that I don't know if it's even worth knowing this term because I almost never hear it. Uh, it's essentially um, uh, 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 vulva to vulva contact uh, in lesbians. So um, uh, uh, there are, you know, um, a few different ways of uh, positioning bodies to get um, uh, vulvas in direct contact with vulvas. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, sometimes people will refer to this as scissoring. Um, that's, um, you know, uh, South Park uh, uh, is largely responsible for that. Um, <clears throat> and, um, and I get the idea that um, uh, from some lesbians I've known that while scissoring is a Thing they don't like to call it scissoring or call or anything like that anyway, um, and um, and the well no never mind that's enough. Uh, lesbians um, are often not going to be using um, uh, fake penises in a sense uh, using dildos. Um, that may be another uh, another straight person's projection onto lesbian sex. Oh well, you must need something to insert into a vagina, so you must use a strap on or a dildo or something like that. And while of course that's a possibility for lesbians, um, uh, it's not like. Um, uh, lesbians are lost without a dildo, right? Um, uh, like maybe straight people are liable to think. Uh, if we move to um, gay men, gay men also involve engage in a lot of manual uh, stimulation and a lot of oral genital sex. Um, anal sex uh, is um, is popular among gay men. Um, it's probably more popular among gay men than it is among straight people. 
However, there seems to be a, um, a small proportion of gay men who engage in a lot of anal sex. And most gay men don't engage in a lot of anal sex. Uh, most gay men are going to um, uh, engage in a lot of um, manual sex and oral sex um, and may engage in oral sex occasionally, uh, essentially not their most preferred uh, sexual behaviors. But again, like I said, there seems to be a small um, contingent of gay men who engage in a lot of oral sex, and that's their primary um, uh, sexual behaviors. Um, let's see, if we move on to uh, marriage and parenting, um, at least 25%, um, so I'm on slide 27, at least 25% of gay men, 40% of lesbians have, are, or have been in a heterosexual marriage. That's an interesting statistic, right? Because the question is why? Um, uh, were they not gay at the time, or, or gay or lesbian at the time? Or were they not completely out at the time? Or had they not admitted it to themselves? Or were there other social pressures? Or were they trying to um, uh, trying to hide their sexual orientation from other people? Or were they trying to convince themselves that their sexual orientation was different? Or what, right? Or was it just the idea that um, sexual orientation is fluid, that it does change over the course of people's lives? Um, that's probably a main part of the answer here because, uh, because of the difference between the numbers for men and women, uh, that, um, that lesbians tend to self-identify as lesbians later in their development than do gay men. Gay men often identify as gay men fairly young. Um, uh, but, um, but many lesbians have had sex with men, have had, um, uh, marriages with men, maybe have had children with men, um, and then later identify as lesbian. Um, lots of, uh, gays and lesbians establish long-term relationships, get married, have kids, a lot of stuff like that. Um, people have, uh, raised some objections to, uh, gay people as parents. Um, this will sometimes come up in the context of, um, of adoptions because you see a lot of gay parents, a lot of gay people just have kids, right? From other relationships or other things like that. And there's nothing anybody can complain about with that. Um, but when it comes down to raising issues about it, um, people will sometimes raise the issues when it comes to issues of adoption. Uh, is it okay to, uh, let a gay couple or a lesbian couple adopt this child? Is that okay for the child? Is it bad for the child or whatever? Um, essentially, what you find is that um, all of these objections, I put them in quotes because they're really not true. Um, uh, they're not likely to um, uh, have any particular kind of problems. In fact, most uh, children raised by gay couples are themselves, or the children are heterosexual, right? Um, uh, and um, uh, the one that, um, let's see, uh, second to last, gays and lesbians are more likely to sexually abuse children. Um, that's also not true. Um, I'm going to come back to that idea later on when we talk about sexual abuse of children, um, because, um, let's see, people will often misunderstand or mistake sexual orientation and sexual abuse. Because, uh, okay, I'll just say it really quick. Um, there are a lot of uh, men who are straight men who uh, who sexually abuse boys, right? Um, many people who see that are going to say that that man is gay, and so that he's 
his gayness is a threat to the child when actually he's not even gay. Um, and, but they're going to, but so people are going to tend to think that there's some kind of association between homosexuality and, um, sexual abuse of children. That may be where this myth came from. Um, but, um, but that's actually not true. Um, when it comes down to uh, policy statements from the uh, both of the APAs, American Psychiatric and American Psychological Associations, um, essentially saying that um, sexual orientation should not be a factor. Sexual orientation of the fact of the parents shouldn't be a factor in um, adoptions or child custody cases or anything like that. Um, uh, that that's essentially irrelevant to deciding whether or not um, somebody is a uh, 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 is a Potential, potentially good parent. Um, uh, my last topic here is on uh, slide number 30, uh, attempts to change sexual orientation. Um, this had been called reparative therapy, as in repairing something. More recently, I see it referred to as conversion therapy, uh, converting uh, with the idea of converting one's sexual orientation. Um, this has been attempted in the past, uh, and um, and it is still apparently attempted, often by um, by some religious groups. Uh, it's been um, called harmful by the APA. It's uh, an unethical uh, for psychologists to uh, participate participate in, and it is um, uh, possibly illegal in some states. Uh, California moved to make uh, conversion therapy illegal. Um, I'm not exactly sure of the details of that. I think actually, though, what it came down to was that they were only making it illegal to compel someone to be in conversion therapy, like you couldn't do conversion therapy on your minor child, but that somebody could freely choose to go to conversion therapy um, uh, if they were an adult. I'm, I'm not certain about the legal ins and outs of that. But anyway, there, there are movements to make this um, uh, illegal and, uh, and certainly less available. It's, um, it certainly um, has done a lot of damage, uh, and, um, and sexual orientation doesn't really seem to be amenable to change. Um, there are uh, there are folks out there in the world who describe themselves as former gay men or former lesbians who went through some kind of conversion experience. And by the way, the term conversion here also means some sort of religious conversion to these folks, uh, that they were able to get over their um, homosexuality. Um, most, um, most professionals regard that with suspicion <laughs> um, and think, I don't know about that, uh, because that doesn't seem to be uh, the case for, um, uh, for most folks when they were doing this conversion therapy. Um, so, uh, uh, so it does still happen, but it's um, sort of uh, hidden, I think, a lot of times. Um, uh, anyway, so uh, let's see. That's enough for our chapter on sexual orientation. Uh, here again, there's a lot we could be talking about if we had an actual in real life class. So I'm sorry we don't have that. Um, I miss talking to you all about this stuff, but um, we do what we can. Okay, how about some bongo drums? <laughs>